Welcome to Project Give Back Connects, an extension of Project Give Back in the classrooms, dedicated to inspiring young students to become empathetic, understanding, and community-minded leaders. Project Give Back Connects offers a dose of inspiration and thoughts for discussion. Each live episode is taped and shared with classroom teachers and their students. Sit back, get cozy, let's get connected. Hi everyone, and welcome to Project Give Back Connects, episode number nine. We're talking about inside homelessness. I'm not gonna say much at this introduction, but other than the fact that I can't even imagine going outside and not being able to come in. I can't imagine not sleeping in my cozy, warm bed or opening up my fridge and having everything at my fingertips I can't imagine what it would be like not to be able to do any of those things, to cuddle up on a couch and read a book or watch a show, or even to see today's amazing historical news. Uh, people don't have that luxury, and it is such a luxury, and I can't imagine it. But our guests today can, because they have been working with the homeless community for years and years and years, and they are experts. And we are so honored to have you, all of you, on our connects tonight. So our first guest is Avram Rosendwag. He started and founded the Hafta years ago, 25 years ago. He is, you know, when people say, who are your heroes? He is for sure one of mine, someone I've admired for years. And we are just so lucky to have him here with us tonight. So, Avram, welcome. Thank you very much, Ellen. And uh, and the feelings are reciprocal. You're one of my heroes. I'm pretty sure everybody on, on here today will say the same. So, um, yeah, so I want to start with a little story. And the story is about empathy. And it goes as follows. It was a very, very cold winter night, uh, similar to what it is tonight, but colder. And... The, the story is set in a small, what we call a little shtetl, a little village, a town. And in that town was an orphanage. Um, and there was a fellow who was responsible for running the orphanage. His name was Mr. Goldstein. Anyways, one night as the winds were blowing fiercely, um, he stepped out of the orphanage where he had 100 kids. And he walked down the street and he knocked on the door of the wealthiest man in the village. Mr. Rosenberg. And Mr. Rosenberg answered the door and he said, hello, good evening. Can I help you? He says, yes, you can. He said, my name is Mr. Goldstein. I don't know if you know me. He goes, no, I do know you. He goes, you run the orphanage down the street. He goes, yes, I do. So Mr. Goldstein said, well, the reason why I'm here tonight, Mr. Rosenberg, and I'm sorry to bother you is that it's freezing cold outside and, um, and our kids, who live in the orphanage, um, they, they're not protected enough from the elements. You know, the walls aren't insulated and they don't have enough blankets um, and I need help. And, and, and the rich man said, well, that's fine. Please come inside. It's very cold and I, I will help you. And Mr. Goldstein continued and he goes, it's so important that the community is part of what we do so that we can make sure that these poor little kids are taken care of as well as possible. 
He said, no, it's fine. He goes, I understand that. He goes, you don't have to explain that to me further. Please come inside. Well, Mr. Goldstein, who was very brash and good at what he does, like Ellen, said, um, please understand. Please understand that you're not the only one that I'm asking help for. And he kept on going. And finally, Mr. Rosenberg, the rich man, said to me, he goes, look, I'm going to help you. But if you don't step inside, there's really nothing I can do because it's so cold outside that I can barely move my fingers to write a check. So Mr. Goldstein said to him, he said, turned to him and he said, thank you so much. He says, I'm very grateful for your generosity of spirit. He goes, but I wanted you only for a moment to understand what it means to feel that cold, to feel the winds coming down on you, not to be protected from the elements, to have an appreciation of what these kids go through almost every night in our winter. So I will step inside and I do appreciate your help but it's so important that you empathize, that you have an understanding of the people whom you are helping. And he came inside and he wrote him a very healthy check. <laughs> so the reason why I start with this story is because the uh, emphasis, the focus of my few words this evening um, are indeed about uh, homelessness, uh, but more so those people who live outside, whom we call homeless, although not everybody subscribes to that. Um, and to understand, as Ellen said at the top of this, that you can imagine for a moment, imagine on your coldest day, even when you're filling up your car with gas, you know that feeling, right? It's freezing cold outside and your hands, you know, can barely move and you can barely squeeze that nozzle. Can you understand what it must be like for someone to live in the Rosedale Valley here in Toronto or in a cul-de-sac downtown? Or have you yourself ever walked by a park, um, be it downtown, be it uptown, even as far as Vaughn and elsewhere, and to see on these cold, cold Canadian winter nights, those individuals who are sleeping on benches or who are trying to huddle into a big cardboard box and roll themselves up in a sleeping bag. It's not unusual to see that in our city. And if you go to other cities, you can see much more homelessness than here. But even if you go to Wilson and Bathurst, you probably know of a fellow who lives right outside of No Frills. And he has for a number of years. And his home is indeed a cardboard box. You can see all his worldly goods there. And just think to yourself for a second, what is it that strikes you when you see such a thing? And again, Ellen alluded to this before. We live in probably one of the greatest times in history, if not the greatest. And we live in a place which to me is paramount, is equal to the Garden of Eden. And, and this is not hyperbole. I am so incredibly blessed myself. I have a son, thank God, who's 14 years old and he has everything that he needs. Not that we're wealthy, we're not wealthy, but for all intents and purposes, if he wants PS4, he gets his PS4. He obviously has a very, very warm place to sleep every single night. He never, ever, ever, ever questions whether he's going to have three meals tomorrow, on Thursday, or on Friday, or on Shabbat, on Saturday. Never. And quite frankly, I haven't either. I mean, there have been a few very difficult times in my life, as we all go through. But for all intents and purposes, we are very, very blessed. And with that blessing comes a very important responsibility. And it's the recognition that, like Christians say, there by the grace of God go I. 
It's the idea that for what for whatever reason, maybe it's random. Some people will will describe it as this is what God wants for you, and this is what God wants for that person who's sleeping in the valley, or sleeping under the bridge on Lakeshore Boulevard. But God has blessed you with riches, with wealth, with the capacity not to worry about where where your next meal comes from, and therefore you have the ability to actualize those gifts that you've been given. Ask yourself what homelessness is. For all intents and purposes, homelessness is the lack of walls, right? It, 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 it's the lack of safety and security and protection from the wind, from the storms, from the snow, from the hails. It, and therefore, it's the lack of ability, it's the inability to actualize yourself as a human being. Do you know how many poets live on the street? Do you know how many writers, authors live on the street? Do you know what brilliance I've met over the years, be it on Young Street, be it on Bay Street, be it on Sherburn or Dundas, of individuals who have started a book or who will sit and talk to you about religions, not just Judaism, but Christianity, not just Christianity, but Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism. Their capacity is as great as ours, if not greater sometimes, yet they don't have walls. They don't have walls. They don't have a bayat, as we call it in Hebrew, a house. And therefore, they're constantly worrying about one thing, and that's survival. How am I going to get my next meal? How am I going to get a sleeping bag? Because unfortunately, when you live in the street, people have a propensity to walk away with all your worldly goods. So what happens if I lose that sleeping bag or if I lose my cardboard box that I, that, that I call my home? So my message really is tonight, tonight is is what Mr. Goldstein said to Mr. Rosenberg when he knocked on his door and he said to him, listen, all I want you to know, all I want you to understand is that what you have, this beautiful edifice that you live in, a thousand square feet, 2000 square feet, 5,000 square feet, people have three, four, five, six bathrooms, right? Not everybody has that. And in fact, some people have none of that. So you therefore have the responsibility as living in this world, sharing this earth, right? At the same time in history, we're on the same clock as each other to give of yourself. In Judaism, we say, the truth of it, Mr. Rosenberg, you don't really own this stuff anyway. After 120, when you pass away from this earth, you don't take a thing with you, not a thing. You want to wear a ring? That's fine. But we all know from the pharaohs who started their uh, sarcophaguses where they brought in their dogs and they brought in all their slaves and they brought in all their earthly goods. They didn't take it with them. They were unearthed. They were exhumed later on in life. We don't take a thing with us. So, Mr. Rosenberg, you might as well give it away because it's not really yours to begin with. So the lesson of these stories and, again, the message that I'm trying to share this evening is really recognize who you are. Un un understand that while we are all so incredibly blessed and we should thank God or whatever your spiritual predilection is every single day for what we have, that I'm sitting here in this home right now and I'm very warm and I just had a wonderful dinner and I'm here with friends, right? And I don't feel under attack. I feel very safe. We need to recognize that's not a given. It's not a given. It's something that we have to work for. It's our obligation, our responsibility to recognize it every single morning or every single night when we close our eyes to think to ourselves, I'm huddled here in my beautiful down duvet. 
but not everybody is. And there are young people, there are middle-aged people, there are older people who are living out there on the streets tonight as I actualize my blessings. So what do I have to do? I need to share it. So God bless those organizations and institutions and individuals who actually do that for a living, who actually have come to this earth to actualize their gift, which is to give to others and encourage us to do so. And I would suggest very strongly that if you're not part of the solution currently, if you're not one of those individuals who has a friend whom we call homeless, and a lot of us do, go out and find one. Carry sleeping bags in your car. Carry underwear and socks in your car. You probably all know that the most difficult thing to find on the street, uh, to have on the street, is socks. Think about that for one second. And with this, I will wrap up, Ellen. Think about that for one second. Have, just close your eyes for a second and, and, and remember the last time your feet were wet. Okay, you were outside and your feet were wet. Remember that feeling, okay? It's a terrible feeling. It's awful. Those people who live on the street who are walking all day long, trying to figure out where their next meal is, that's what they go through every day. So socks are paramount. Keep them in your car. Like I said, keep underwear in your car. Keep sleeping bags in your car. I know that we're working with Jody Steinhauer. She's a lovely human being and has been helping the homeless for years and years and years. She's an entrepreneur, but she's managed to take a bit of your bus her business and give it to those who are in need. Take advantage of that. Never forget that you are in the Garden of Eden. And with that, you are very, very blessed. And with that, you have a responsibility. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Avram, thank you so much. You know, you said earlier, you said you're not a wealthy, you're not a wealthy guy. You're one yeah. of the wealthiest men I know. It's all in here, buddy. Like, just thank you for giving that beautiful heart to all of us tonight. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. So we think one is not enough. There are so many angels that are doing so many amazing things in our world. And this next one, oh, I can't wait for you to meet her. Her name is Renata. And Renata has been a counselor and a caseworker with the homeless for 20 plus years. She works at Seton House and that is Canada's biggest uh, shelter for men. So we had her in one of our classes last year and she spoke to the kids and their eyes just widened. It was so unbelievable what she taught them and, and me included. So welcome Renata, thanks for being here. Thanks so much Ellen for having having me and I just want to say um, Avram you almost made me cry and now I'm really emotional so excuse me if I have tears while I talk because I'm going to piggyback on the empathy um, and I'm going to talk about myths about homelessness. So like Ellen said I've been a case manager for the City of Toronto, Seton House largest homeless shelter for men and um, I just want you to know I love my clients. They bring so much joy to me. They're smart, um, they're poets, they're authors, they're, I've had, you know, a professor who, you know, had a mental health breakdown and ended up homeless. And he was a brilliant man, but he had hard times. So um, that is what I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about the myths. So what you think you know about the homeless um, and you, you guys think about this as I'm going through, I've, I've got six myths here. So the first myth is that homelessness is a choice. 
So people do not choose to be homeless. There are many factors that could lead somebody to be homeless. So that could be loss of employment, a family breakup, um, family abuse or violence, mental illness, um, poor physical health, substance use, or um, this is a big one in, in my experience is trauma. So that would include um, sexual or emotional abuse um, in their family or community. So they could be dealing with one or more of these circumstances. So the second myth, myth is all homeless people use drugs and alcohol. So this can be a contributing factor to homelessness, but in my experience, many of my clients do not use any substance. They're there for various reasons, but that is a big myth. Another one is they are lazy. When you are homeless, it is incredibly difficult to find or maintain housing. They may not have a phone. They may not have identification. They may not have means to, um, to get on a bus or a streetcar or any transportation. They may have a learning disability. They may have a lack of education. And minimum wage jobs are usually about 14 to $15 an hour. It's almost impossible to find housing or a job or anything else with that circumstance. So they are not lazy. They want to get out of their situation. And for some, they just don't know how. They need the help of myself, but they also need help from community. So another myth is homeless people take advantage of the system. This really bothers me because I hear it a lot. I'll tell you, my clients are on Ontario Works, which gives you $656 a month. That includes the amount for rent. Can you imagine living in Toronto, living on $656 a month? I can't. And if you're lucky enough to be on ODSP, you get a whole $1,098. Well, a one-bedroom apartment in Toronto is either up to $2,000 or over $2,000 a month now. So nobody is taking advantage of the system. So the other myth, and this one also gets to me, is people can't take care of themselves, so they shouldn't have pets. Well, I'm gonna tell you something about the homeless and pets. Those pets are so well taken care of. They love those animals just as much as we love our fur babies, they love theirs. And in fact, I have seen clients stay on the street before they would ever leave their pet anywhere because they take care of those pets better, yes, than themselves because they give that animal food before they put it in their own mouth. So they do deserve to have pets. And thank God agencies like Fred Victor and other respites are finally recognizing that the homeless have pets and that they deserve to keep their pets just like you and I. So another myth um, is that I will never become homeless. That won't happen to me. Well, I'm gonna tell you it can happen. And I'm just gonna disclose something personally. It happened to me many years ago 
And through various circumstances, I ended up in a, in a homeless shelter. I ended up staying there not for long, but I did end up in a homeless shelter. It was the scariest thing I'd ever gone through. And I didn't think it could ever happen to me. But loss of employment, um, a, an illness where you can't go to work, all of a sudden you can't pay your, your, pay your rent or pay your mortgage, you're going to lose that home. And where do you go? You become homeless. So yes, it can happen to you, depending on, on circumstance. So I just want you to ask yourself, with these myths, what is your belief about homeless? When you see a homeless person, what do you think? How, how would you feel if you didn't have, like Ellen said, um, that comfy bed to sleep in, a fridge full of food, or you had to look for your next meal. You didn't know you were hungry, but you didn't have anything. You didn't have enough money to get on the bus. What if you didn't have a TV, phone, computer? What does your home mean to you? So for me, I believe that home, a home is an inherent right. We are a wealthy country. We, nobody should be homeless. Nobody should not be able to live to turn a key, to close their door and have privacy and to have safety in their own home. That is an inherent right. That is like clean water, food. Um, that, that, that to me is not even a privilege, it's, it's a right, it's a human right. So homeless people are just like you and me. Bad things happen in their lives and something has brought them to where they're at, a circumstance. So I just want you to think about debunking these myths, meaning that it starts with us. It starts with how, what we believe a homeless person, like it will, it will increase our empathy, like Avram was talking about. We need to have empathy. We need to try and put ourselves in other people's shoes in order to, to think differently about the homeless. It will reduce um, discrimination. Um, when a client of, my clients go into hospital, let's say I went into hospital or you went into hospital versus one of my clients. My clients are never served properly. I can say almost never. I just went through um, the worst experience from Christmas Eve till just last week with a client where we had to call 911 three times. And a doctor actually said this at Toronto Western Hospital to me. She said, I'm sorry, I don't have a pathway for your client, but we will not be keeping him. This man was in distress. He was having a mental health breakdown, but because he had been drinking, they wanted to get rid of him. So this is in our system. It's a belief in our system, it's, which is called systemic uh, discrimination. And our homeless clients deal with that all the time. I also want you to remember that the next time you see a homeless man, I'm going to use a man, that this person is somebody's son. This person is somebody's brother. And this person is most likely somebody's father. These people deserve dignity and respect and um, 
they deserve to be noticed. I wanted to just also include one of the websites that I think you could really get an understanding. Um, I just found this, it's called Invisible People. And they have, um, it's an organization dedicated to educating the public through individual stories. So you can go and watch individual stories of people who have become homeless. You'd be shocked at all the different um, types of people. So there's youth, there's seniors, there's men, there's women, there's families. And thank you. Renata, Renata, Renata. When's your birthday? Uh, September 13th. <laughs> I have to write that down because you know what, Renata? Every day is your birthday because thank God you were born. Honestly, oh. what you're doing in this world and what you're, the difference you're making and that you just, you're so honest and raw with us. Um, wow. You have no idea how many people you just helped and taught and thank you. Well, thank you for having me. There's another reason that I'm happy Renata's born. And that's because in a minute, you're going to get to meet her son, Ethan. And Ethan is the one who introduced me <laughs> to Renata because Ethan used to come and sing to Jakey. Ethan is one of Jakey's very good buddies and we love him so much. His heart is just an explosion of kindness. He was also a winner of the launch, the CTV's launch. So you may recognize him from there. He was a mini pop and he is now recording and releasing some unbelievable music. So Ethan, welcome. And we're so excited for you to sing to us today. Hey, Ellen, thank you so much for having me. Um, so today I'm gonna to be singing a cover. I'm gonna be singing You Say by Lauren Daigle. So here it goes. I keep fighting voices in my mind. I say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. Ooh, you say I am love. When I can't feel a thing, you say I am strong. When I think I am weak, you say I am held. When I am falling short, when I don't belong, oh, you say I am yours. And I believe, oh, I believe. What you say to me, I believe 
The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you I find my worth, in you I find my identity. Ooh, oh, you say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. You say I'm held and I am falling short when I don't belong. Oh, you say I am yours and I believe. Oh, I believe what you say to me. I believe. Taking all I have and now I'm laying it at your feet. You have every failure, you have every victory. Ooh, you say I'm love. When I can't feel thee, you say I am strong. When I think I am weak, you say I am held. When I am falling short, when I don't belong, you say I am yours. Thank you, guys, and thank you, Ellen, again for having me. Ethan. I love you. Guys, you got to check out his Instagram. Just check out Ethan Young. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Renata, stop crying. <laughs> I know. I'm holding it back here. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, Ethan. Whew. Guys, so each week, you know, we have a shining star. Well, today we have two and Avram mentioned socks and that's why I'm so happy you guys are here you're going to meet Carly and Charlie and they started something years ago called the odd sock project together and maybe they, they'll tell you there's even more but they have given out over 150,000 pairs of socks to the homeless just just phenomenal human beings, and I'm so excited to have them. So welcome, Carly, and welcome, Charlie. So thank nice to have you guys. Thank so, you. Thank you, guys. So we have questions for them. And the first question is for Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Tell us why you started this project and what it is. So on many occasions, we would go and see homeless people on the streets and we knew we wanted to find a way to help them. And after, after doing a lot of research, we found out that other than food, socks were one of the most needed items in homeless shelters. We knew that everyone deals with the problem of a missing sock and single socks lying around their house with no use. We thought of collecting all single socks and putting them together to make good use by pairing them up and donating them to those in need. Helping the homeless and bringing awareness about this issue became our passion and our mission. Wow, just awesome. 
<laughs> so, uh, Carly, uh, why the homeless? Well, growing up in Thornhill, Ontario, we were not really exposed to a lot of homeless people living in the streets. On occasions, Charlie and I, well, we would go downtown and we were surprised to see how many people were homeless and in need of help. As Charlie mentioned earlier, we found out that socks were an important item that was needed, so we began our mission to have warm feet. There was such a large population of homeless people living on the streets, whether they were youth up to adults, and we knew that we wanted to help them and make a difference in those lives, and this is what we came up with in order to do so. So how has your initiative changed since COVID? Did COVID affect you guys? What have you so been receiving? many generous sock donations daily from around the world and we would meet weekly to sort and pair them and when we accumulated a good amount we would personally deliver them to homeless shelters. Since COVID started things have changed a bit due to safety reasons we cannot sort through socks right now. We do continue to receive so many generous donations and I've set them aside to organize once the pandemic has passed and it's safe to do so. Thank goodness for that. And what do you see you guys doing in the future with all of this? Well, we love our mission so much and we for sure intend to keep it going. We're so excited that we've donated over 150,000 pairs of socks worldwide. And our mission has become a part of our lives that will be with us forever. We are proud and excited that it is a, it is a global mission. We already have our own sock line called Carly and Charlie Single Socks, which supports odd socks. With the pandemic, we have found that more and more people are reaching to purchase our socks because with every set of our socks sold, a pair is donated on behalf of whoever buys our socks. And this is how people can help through purchasing them at carlyandcharliesinglesocks.com. And we are always working on more ways to help those in need with many more exciting things to come. And we cannot wait until it is safe again and put everyone's useless single socks lying around their houses to good use again. You guys rock. You rock those socks. Just thought of that now. It may have been really bad. Sorry. <laughs> you're really amazing. And thank you for doing what you're thank doing. Thank you so much for having us again. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So we have a very special initiative and a challenge. It's a one-week challenge that we're working with uh, Lindsay at one to give and Kindness Corner. She is going to announce it. Hey, Lens. Hi, everyone. Um, this was an amazing episode, and I just feel like my eyes were opened. And Avram and Renata, thank you so much for just such a raw and vulnerable talk. I think sitting on the other end of the screen, sometimes the problems feel so big, you don't know how to help or what you can do. And at One to Give, we really believe that little small acts can have a big change. What we're asking everyone to do, if you would like, is to donate any amount of money to Bargains Group. Bargains Group is a Canadian wholesale discount store. So whether it's $5 or $50, we're gonna pool all our money together. And at Bargains Group, our dollars can go a lot further. And then we're giving these two amazing organizations, Vea Hafta and Seton House, the funds so that they can independently go and choose what they need most. You know, I think we need to give organizations the independence to really prioritize during COVID, especially what's most helpful. And there's certain things people tend to buy a lot of and others, other sizes that aren't met, other needs that aren't met. 
we're going to collect for a whole week and we've posted on my Instagram at one to give and on project give back how you can call bargains group or you can email them any amount of money it's all going to go together and in a week's time we'll let you know how much we raised and I can't wait to tell you how much shopping they have to and Seton House were able to do. So we're all going to stay safe at home, but we're also going to make a big difference together. And I'm just really excited to to do this all with you and to make a difference. And remember, kindness is really contagious. Well, it sure is. And I just want to thank all of you. I'm putting up the big screen, the gallery, so I can see all your faces. Just thank you, everyone, for coming out tonight. Um, you're all you're all amazing to our guests, to our visitors. As always, let's embrace one another, let's be kind to one another, and let's learn from one another. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye all. Open your heart today.